You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Griffiths, Joe Hopkins here on the board as well. It is Super Bowl week in the NFL, big week for everyone in the league. Our Chris Hagan is down in Miami covering the Super Bowl for like 180 different stations I across the country. That. No. Me- media days. That's it's a busy busy day last night and heck every day down on Radio Row. You're, you're always looking for the exclusive Soundbite. Yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with that. Yeah, because these people are talking to everybody. They're talking right. to 100 different radio hosts or 200 different radio hosts or whatever it might be. And then there's all the TV folks as well, all the writers as well. Everyone, everyone is moving around in one little area trying to get one little nugget. But it, those nuggets are hard to come by, as you said. It, it, it's, again, because it, when you get to Wednesday and Thursday, the questions have been asked since mm-hmm. Monday. When was the first night? Was it Sunday night, Monday night? When they show up, and at this point, if you're down there, now it's different if you have a team. You know, when the Colts were there a couple of years, there's always something to write about. But when you're there covering the event, and it gets to be Wednesday or Thursday, if you're still looking for story ideas, what have you been doing for four days, three days? One thing we'll touch on before really diving into our topic for the week is the death of Kobe Bryant in a helicopter crash in Los Angeles. We don't want to cover it too much. I think it's um, it's been very eloquently covered by so many different media outlets, um, so so I won't feel the need to get too deep into it. Uh, but uh, I, I will touch on one thing that I saw, at least online on Twitter, is that somebody uh, posted that, um, that Kobe one time after watching Peyton Manning play in person, so we'll tie it into the Colts, just sent Peyton a note that said, man, every time I watch you play, I feel like I don't prepare for, uh, and then a bad word that I, I, that I don't want to repeat on, on a podcast. So uh, Kobe is a guy that everything that we've seen over the, this past week in his, in his honor was about his preparation, about his mentality, about his intensity. And then he looked at a guy like Peyton Manning and w- was inspired by, by a guy like him. And those two guys really, maybe above anyone else in the 2000s decade, maybe even the 2010s, are, are are guys that are associated with 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 that type of intense preparation to beat your opponent before you even step on the court on the field or, or whatever it might be. It was always that uh, you mentioned these two, but it, it was Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and Edron James, and it's it's they, they they were paid in their minds to practice. Game games were for free. They did all their work during the week. And when I think of, you know, you hear about the mama mentality, and it's the killer mentality. And what it is is if he's beating you by 20, he wants you to beat you by 40. Mm-hmm. And that's how, that's how all the elite athletes are is it's never enough. And I think that's the way it's got to be. And, uh, you know, it, it's all now it's focused on Kobe Bryant as, as it should be with – the the tragic death of himself and his daughter and the other seven on on board, but it just it it shows you the national international outpouring of sentiment just shows you how you know worldwide his impact was and and there I'm telling you there's only probably a handful of of individuals that if something like that happens would have this much of an impact so mm-hmm. it's. It's just tragic on so many levels. And uh, that, that type of mentality creates Hall of Famers, which is Correct. what we will focus mainly on in this Colts Blue Zone podcast because a pair of Colts are up for the Hall of Fame. But one more thing before diving headfirst into the Hall of Fame selection process is uh, there at least was a report or at least a, a quasi-report this week that uh, came out that said the Chargers were moving on from Phillip Rivers. And apparently it originated from, uh, Joe, we were talking about this just a second ago, but when Jay Glazer was on Colin Cowherd's radio show, uh, apparently somebody uh, – picked up something that Jay said or didn't say that the Chargers were doing this, and then Jay had to come on and say himself, well, I didn't exactly say that. Well, so he, he said, I, I, didn't I didn't say, say that, that, period. I didn't Not say even that, period. exactly. Yeah, so it, it's crazy, but but it's still, it, it's it's the it's the latest. He, he, he's one of those players. This is going to be the most crazy offseason for quarterbacks. It, yep. just, it just is. It starts with Eli Manning retiring. Now there's talk that maybe – Within the next month, Drew Brees is seriously considered retiring. The Tom Brady's and you know Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you know Jameis Winston, Cam Newton. Uh, it's 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 incredible, and it's and with with what's going on here in Indy, 
it's like it's the first stop for everyone. Mm-hmm. I saw somebody put out the odds of, of where Tom Brady is going to end up in the Colts for like third on the list. Oh boy! As far as favorites, I just favorites. can't see it. I, I I can't see it. I'll be I'll be one of the, you and I'll be the last people to say okay, you got we me. We will be. I just I just don't see it. Philip Rivers. Uh, no, I was talking to someone today, and let's say that Ballard goes veteran. Fill in a name, you know, whoever. Let's say Brady or Rivers or whomever. They're, they're your your short term one or two year fix. So you still got to find your quarterback of the future. It doesn't solve the problem. No, it, not not at all. It, it, it almost exacerbates it because then you've got, you know, player A. Let's say Philip Rivers, just because he and Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni have a history. And then you've got Jacoby Brissett. And then don't you still draft a quarter? I mean, if if well, if if Brissett's the guy, then we're, we're wasting our time. But he's mm-hmm. clearly not the guy. Or the Colts, I think, would have been more forceful with him. But if you go outside and get a veteran free agent, you still got to get a young guy to be your guy in mm-hmm. two or three years. So it, the veteran only solves the, the the veteran guy would show you how much they really don't like Brissett. Right. But you still got to you got to work long term, and the, the veteran guy is only your bridge to get to where you want to go. I think players or not players, but rather fans, and specifically Colts fans, will point to the 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 Peyton Manning experiment in Denver that worked years ago, and saying, "Hey, maybe maybe a veteran quarterback can work." I think there are big big differences between those two situations. Peyton had a couple years left. Rivers is thirty eight. He I don't know how many years he has left of being really that great, and also. That Denver defense was an all-world defense, and Peyton came in and had an all-world receiving class to throw to. Um, the Colts don't have either of those two right now. All due respect to T.Y. Hilton and guys like Darius Leonard, who I think are all-world players. And the offensive line and the running and the running game. I could argue that this team is set up pretty well for for a one or two year guy, because again, the offensive line is is right. real. I mean, it had hiccups, but it's for real. The running game is real. The defense. I, I, what we don't know what we have with with this Colts defense, but it doesn't it doesn't solve the problem. Mm-hmm. It ju- it just sort of kicks it down down the road on what you want to do. And uh, and again, in my mind, if they bring in a veteran quarterback, it speaks volumes for what they don't think of Jacoby Brissett. And I, I would agree there because you've got Brissett now. He's in the building. Any veteran quarterback like a Rivers knows you'd your pay, system. Yes, you'd have to pay more than you're paying Brissett right now. So it, it, it would it would be a um, a a very um, bad mark on him. As but and everything that Chris Ballard has said is that they really like Jacoby. It's 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 not like they that he's been really hemming and hauling completely on Jacoby. He's been in a little bit, maybe not all in on Jacoby, but there's chips on the table that the Colts have placed down there in this hand that they're playing with him. Um, and, and they have some kind of stake in, in his success. He's due a $7 million roster bonus the third day of the league year, which like the, the 21st, I guess. Right. It but, but it is, it's, a, it's, it was guaranteed last year. So he's going to get that right. regardless. And then I think he's due a, Three or four million dollar base salary, and he has a chance to earn two million dollars in incentives. They they've got a lot of money socked into Brissett, mm-hmm. so it, it would make very little sense. And anything money wise, I don't worry about that. But it would make very little sense to cut bait right now. I don't think that's what they're going to do. I still I still think as we sit here today, that come the season opener in September, he's your starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. I I just believe that's going to be the case. But until I tell you, until, until this settles through free agency, which is first again, it starts the middle of March, and then the draft. This is going to be this is what keeps columnists and talk radio and podcast. It, it gives them fuel for everything they want to talk about and write about. A big topic this week, besides the Super Bowl, of course, is the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The class of twenty twenty will be debated. Uh, Mike Chappell will be in the room while this is going on. He will long be, day. Yes, it is a very long day for Mike. Get him uh, the, I would say the coffee. I don't know if coffee is your I'm not a bull guy, so yeah, uh, coffee and, yeah. Okay. Right. We, we start at 7.30 in the morning, and we'll go probably eight or nine hours. So, so this is something that you guys put a whole lot of work into. This is not a flippant discussion at all. Like, and, and that's what 
some people might get frustrated with saying, man, Edger and James, come on, you know, he's got to be a Hall of Famer. Look at everything that Mike has written over the past week or over the past years uh, making his case for Edge and all the stats that back it up, which we, we will certainly go into here on this Colts Blue Zone podcast. But um, it, it, it's not like uh, Mike is going out there and presenting a quick case and then there's a quick vote and we're like, okay, we're done with this guy. It, there, there is a lot of discussion on all of these players, 15 that are up, a maximum of five will be enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, again, we, we start the meeting at 7.30 and there, there's 15 modern era candidates and the way it works is th- there's someone from each market uh, and, and I'll, I'll present Edgern and Reggie Wayne you get five or six or seven minutes to, to state your case. And, and after that, there's discussion, good and bad, and then you move on to number two, number three, and at the end of, you know, some, sometimes discussions are long and uh, heated. Uh, Terrell Davis, uh, T- T- Terrell Owens, there was quite a bit of back and forth mm-hmm. uh, when, when his, his name was first up. But after the discussion on 15 then there's a cut from 15 to 10, and then there's more discussion. If if you want to, you know, reaffirm why your guy who got there should be one of the five, you mm-hmm. do that. And then after that, there's a cut from 10 to five. And once you get to the to five, and again, the, the cuts from 15 to 10 and 10 to five is just a vote. In the most, the guys with the most votes advance. When you get to five, it takes eighty percent of the of the forty eight members to be enshrined. Mm-hmm. So, and it's very very rare that uh, someone who gets in the final five doesn't get the necessary. There have been guys that I've not agreed were Hall of Famers, but when they get to five, I just sort of say, "Yeah, okay, you've got me," mm-hmm. because if you don't, you're leaving somebody on the table, and then you worry about them next year. So, it's a long process. We'll know. I'll know at the end of the meeting, who the five are, but I won't know that all five got the necessary 80%. I right. mean, I'll, I'll assume they did. Yeah. And then they'll be announced at the, uh, what's it called, NFL Honors program on, is it NFL Network or ESPN, whoever has it, uh, that even, uh, Saturday Fox evening. This is that right? It is broadcast on okay. Fox 59. Bada bing, bada boom. Okay. There you go. That's Then, it, it's, <laughs> then we're announcing it. Boom. But uh, it, it'll be, it, it's a cool thing, and it's uh, what people have to realize is the 15 players, they're all quality players. Yeah. Now, I look at this list, and I'm, I'm thinking I've seen better top-to-bottom final 15s. I, mm-hmm. I just have. I think last year's was a perfect example because there were a bunch of first-year guys like there's a Tony Gonzalez. Ed uh, Reed. Ed, exactly. There's a couple guys that you knew. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, there's three spots right, right. there. Sorry. Yeah. And when, and I, I remember talking to uh, Edge. I met him last year down in Atlanta where the meeting was, and he says, what do you think? I said, Edge, I said, I've, I've thought you belonged not first year, but second year on. And and I said, the problem is you're, you're going to – what people have to realize, like you mentioned earlier – you only get five spots. Yeah. So last year when Tony Gonzalez gets in, and who was the other first timer? Ed Reed. Yes. And I'm not was so. Was there a third? I'm not so sure that Champ Bailey wasn't a. I think he was a first timer. Wasn't too. a first timer. Three. Yeah, because I, I think it was three. That's why. And, I said and that then number. when Ty Law, another cornerback, got in, I said, Ed, you're screwed. Yeah. I said I knew when they got in, and it, it, so much of it has to do with when you're up is is who else is there. Next year, the class of 2021, you've got Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. He's going to make it. Yep. Calvin Johnson, first time eligible. That that's that's not nearly as as cut and dried. But when you have the no doubt first ballot guys, well, that just takes one of the spots. Mm-hmm. So it'll be very interesting this year. Is Charles Woodson next year? I'm too? sorry, Charles Woodson. Yeah. So you got you got really two yeah. first time guys that are going to make it. Yeah. And then again, you got Calvin Johnson. Right. Guys who don't make it this year will be pushed into next year. Mm-hmm. So it just gets it creates backlogs at positions that makes it hard for people who, in your mind, 
and your eyes tell you this guy should be in the Hall of Fame. And, and although, as you said, this list might not be as dynamic at the top or top to bottom as you've seen in the past, that, that doesn't mean that these aren't great players and right. Hall of Fame worthy players. So I'm going to run down the list of 15, then we'll get into the Colts specifically and maybe discuss a couple of these other guys as well. But I'll go um, just I'll go alphabetical order uh, just so we can stay in that in that realm. So um, first up, Steve Atwater, safety for the Denver Broncos, mainly known. He played for the Broncos for 10 years, also played for the New York Jets his final year. Atwater is an eight time pro bowler, uh, twice was a first team all pro, a member of the NFL's 1990s all decade team, uh, first team all decade team. And from what I saw, Mike, I think that you guys vote for the Hall of Fame committee votes for the all decade team. Correct. too. So, Correct. yeah, so that's something that all you guys had voted on before, whether it's right. 90s or the 2000s decade teams. And I'd assume that's something that's going to have to happen for the 2010s Coming up soon, sometime correct. soon. So uh, anyway, that's Steve Atwater. Um, Tony Baselli, offensive tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars, only played six seasons in the NFL, a uh, injury shortened six seasons, uh, was expansion drafted by the Houston Texans in 2002, but didn't play because uh, his his Right. Knees, I think it was. Gave out. I thought out, it was a shoulder. Was shoulder. Or back. I no, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I, I think, I think, it, was I think it was a shoulder. Yeah, and it gave out on him. He couldn't play anymore. But six tremendous seasons with the Jaguars. Isaac Bruce, wide receiver for mostly known the greatest show on turf, St. Louis, Los Angeles Rams. Also played for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Bruce, four-time Pro Bowler, once made second-team All-Pro. Uh, Baselli, by the way, was a five-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro. Um, Leroy Butler. Safety for the Packers from 1990 to 2001. Um, not a guy that is certainly flashy by any means, but uh, another guy who was on the NFL's 1990s all-decade team. Um, four-time Pro Bowler, four-time first-team All-Pro. Uh, he was certainly one of the better safeties in that decade. Alan Fanica, uh, guard for the Pittsburgh Steelers and New York Jets and Arizona Cardinals throughout his career. Certainly mostly known for his time with the Steelers. And to be frank, this is a guy I was surprised hasn't been in already. He's a nine-time Pro Bowler, six-time first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, made the NFL's 2000s All-Decade first team. Uh, Torrey Holt, wide receiver for the St. Louis Rams uh, and Jacksonville Jaguars as well. Torrey Holt, a seven-time Pro Bowler, uh, once was a first-team All-Pro. Uh, Steve Hutchinson, guard for the Seattle Seahawks and Minnesota Vikings, also played one season for the Tennessee Titans. Hutchinson, a seven-time Pro Bowler, uh, let's see here, five-time first-team All-Pro, was also in the NFL's 2000s All-Decade team. John Lynch, at safety, played for the Buccaneers and Denver Broncos. Really great distinction for Lynch. He was in the Bucks' Ring of Honor and the Broncos' Ring of Fame. So there's two teams that thought really, really highly of him after he left them. Nine-time Pro Bowler is Lynch. Uh, two-time, a first-team All-Pro. Um, I missed out on Edron James because I'm an idiot, and mostly because uh, Joe put him at the top of the list. He put both Colts at the top. He did, he, and he made everyone else, uh, what's it called, everyone else in alphabetical order. So my fault, after Hutchinson, before Lynch, is, of course, Edron James, who played uh, for the Indianapolis Colts, the Arizona Cardinals, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, James, a four-time Pro Bowler, twice a first-team All-Pro, and a member of the NFL's 2000s first-team all-decade team. It was him and LaDainian Tomlinson were the two running backs who were first-teamers. Uh, moving on, Sam Mills, linebacker, played for the New Orleans Saints and the Carolina Panthers in the NFL, also starred in the USFL, uh, made the USFL all-time team, a three-time all-USFL performer, too. And I'll make a note, it is the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It is not the NFL Hall of Fame, so you got to include that as well when you're talking about Mills. Also a five-time Pro Bowler to go along with his three-time all-USFL selection, and once a first-team All-Pro performer, too. Troy Polamalu, uh, safety in his first year of eligibility, played his entire career for the Pittsburgh Steelers, eight-time Pro Bowler, four-times first-team All-Pro, made the NFL's 2000s All-Decade team, is the Steelers' all-time team, of course, won two Super Bowls as well. Richard Seymour, everybody in Colts Nation loves this guy. Defensive end to tackle for the New England Patriots, also for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Seymour, another member of the NFL's 2000s All-Decade first-team, a seven-time Pro Bowler, and a three-time first-team All-Pro. We'll move on. We have three more in this 15. Zach Thomas, linebacker for the Miami Dolphins for the majority of his career, finished off with the Dallas Cowboys in 2008. Thomas, a uh, seven-time Pro Bowler and five-time first-team All-Pro. And we close out uh, with two more. 
Reggie Wayne, wide receiver for the Colts for his entire career, did go over to the Patriots for one preseason, but we forgive him for that. No worries. Uh, He came to his senses. He did. Six-time Pro Bowler Reggie Wayne, uh, twice a first-team All-Pro. No, wait a second. Hang on. Sorry. Once a first-team All-Pro. My bad. Uh, He finished his career seventh in receptions and eighth in receiving yards when he retired. Also, Bryant Young, the last one, 15th defensive tackle, played his entire career for the San Francisco 49ers. Bryant Young, a five-time Pro Bowler, and once was a first-team All-Pro. So there's your entire list. I mean, there's guys who have tons of Pro Bowls, tons of All-Pros, guys who are really good for a long period of time for, for one team, for multiple teams. So uh, there are certainly five guys, I think, on this list. There are more than five guys, but there are absolutely five guys who are worthy, whether or not it's uh, quite as strong a class as last year's was. But we, we will start with, uh, with the Colts, as, of course, we one, should One do. note about this Go ahead, is, Mike. is the Hall of Fame has put out a stat that 89% of the guys who get in the room in the Final 15 eventually make the Hall of Fame. So while, while you know a few players make it first ballot, Almost 90% of them eventually get in. Oh, the hard part is telling players, Edron James, wait your turn. Right. Uh, it's difficult to do that, but, you know, it, patience normally is, is rewarded uh, for most players. And from, um, from those of you who are not very math-oriented, that means out of the 15 guys in this room, maybe two guys will not make this Hall of Fame. One probably won't, maybe two. So that, that's what it comes down to. Um, at when all is said and done, however many, how, how many times can you be a finalist, Mike? Do you know off the oh, top it's of your head? Years, I believe. Okay, so yeah, uh, and, then, and then you go into the senior category, right? So it's quite and a long good, time. Good luck when you get there. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's begin with Edron James because he's been a finalist for a couple years now. Four years has been waiting his turn. Um, is I, I I don't know if uh, upset with the process is the right word. Frustrated. Frustrated is probably a better word with with what's happening because of the numbers he's put up that he feels that he is worthy. Other people feel that he is worthy. Guys like Peyton Manning think that he is worthy and Tony Dungy and so many guys who have gone to bat for him who played with him or coached him here in Indianapolis. So um, when you sit down to present the case for Edger and James uh, in the, in the slew of stats or information that you have to present, where, where do you start with maybe your strongest case to be like, listen, guys, this is why Edger and James deserves to be in the pro football hall of fame. Well, the one thing I don't do, because most of these guys would, would qualify, I don't really say all-time Colts leading. Right? Most of these guys are their all-time teams something. Right. But how do you stack up against the league? And it, it's there's four or five things that I really harp on, and I'll harp on again, and without boring you too much, players to rank among the top 13 in rushing in the regular season and playoffs. It's Emmett Smith, Tony Dorsett, and Edron James. Two of those guys are first ballot Hall of Famers. Uh, so that goes to show you his, his greatness, not in just in the regular season, correct. but in the postseason, correct. where it's that's the moneymaker. And, right and he, there. he went to the Super Bowl with, uh, with the Cardinals. With the right? Cardinals, yes. and he was their leading rusher. Uh, players in NFL history with at least 1,500 yards at least four times Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, Eric Dickerson, and Edron James. Three first ballot Hall of Famers and Edron. Uh, James is one of seven players with at least three seasons with 2,000 yards from scrimmage. The only ones with four are Marshall Falk, Walter Payton, and Eric Dickerson, first ballot Hall of Famers. A mm-hmm. uh, couple more without any we'll, we'll move on. Since, since the 1970 merger, players to lead the league in rushing in each of their first two seasons. Eric Dickerson, Earl Campbell, first ballot, first ballot, and Edron James. And since the merger, there's been seven players lead the league in consecutive years rushing. Seven players. Edron's one of seven. The other six are first battle Hall of Famers. So, and we mentioned the all-decade team. He was, uh, since the all-decade, since 1950, there have been like 15 or 16 first-team all-decade running backs. All of them are in except Edron James. <laughs> and he and Tom, LT were all decade first team of the 2000s. So it's just, it's you just, you. I, I get up there and I talk to him about this, and I'm thinking, what didn't he do that you that's not letting him in? And, you know, we can argue the merits of Terrell Davis being in the Hall of Fame, which he got in 
was it two or three years ago? Two years ago? Yeah, I think so. And it was it was it, Terrell Davis's the heavy part of him was postseason. They won two Super Bowls, and he's he, he was just off the charts rushing in the Super Bowls. And what I point out to these guys is it, it's everything. Uh, Edron James post ACL. Uh, remember, he, it was a week six or week seven of his third season in Kansas City. When he came back from his ACL after his injury, he rushed for more yards in his career than Terrell Davis did for his entire career. So it's and part of this is what well, people say. Well, if if Davis had played longer, well, he didn't. Right. And and Edger did come back. You can't judge people by right. if they had played. What, what if? Yeah. So it's it's and the one thing that I've tried to do is not what we're, this year Peyton Manning reached out to me and he he wanted to give me a letter of recommendation for Ed Jaren. He says, is that okay? I said, yeah, I mean, what am I going to tell Peyton Manning? No. So, <laughs> no, sorry, Peyton. Yeah, well, I, I'm good. I, I, got I got this. this. So he did that and we got together and talked. And and while it's important to, to talk to Peyton, who, who still says to this day that Ed Jaren is what made it work. You know, when, when, when teams have to defend Ed Jaren James, it opens up everything else. He goes back to the, uh, 2004 game with Green Bay when the Packers were not going to let Edron James run on him. So the Colts threw the ball 22 straight times and open up, open up the game because they weren't going to let Edron James run. Uh, and, and that's his impact. But what, what I try to do more than talk to Colts guys, Tony Dungy and Tom Moore, is talk to other guys. And I've got endorsements from Bill Belichick, from Rex Ryan, from Jason Taylor, who was a Hall of Famer, from Zach Thomas, from, from people like that who've had to face him, and they say, this guy, what, what do you want? What, what else do you guys want from it? So uh, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic this year on Edgerin. You, you don't want to get overly optimistic. I, I go back to when the Colts were 5-2 and two this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, how optimistic were you that that's going to be hey, something special? Yeah. Hey, baby, we're on a roll now. Uh-huh. But I, I just I just think that, He's the perfect example of if you keep beating on the door, one day you're going to get in. I just, I, I, I'm hopeful it's this year. And if not, I just want to stand there and say, tell me what, t- tell me what's missing on this resume with, with Edron James. He's done everything that, that other players and more have done. Well, the, the, the one stat I've got in front of me is, is over the last 30 years, we've had like 25 running backs selected the Hall of Fame, and only two have waited longer than six years. And one was was Terrell Davis, who was in his 11th or 12th year, I think, or maybe 16th year, whatever it was. He was unique, though, because of the shortness of the career right. and, and the great postseason. So the vast majority of running backs who've gotten in since uh, over the last 30 years got in on their first or second ballot, first or second year of eligibility. So we'll see. And having talked to Edger, and he's – Frustrating is is a kind word to go. He he's really getting tired of the process. One thing the Hall of Fame does is it likes to have it invites all of the this year's class to Miami mm-hmm. for most of the week. Right, they'll pay him money, put him up in a room, and and they want these guys to to make the visits on Radio Row. I know Chris Hagan talked to to, to, to Reggie, Reggie Wayne, yes, this week, and they want these guys to be out there. And Edron just doesn't. He says, "I don't politic." Mm-hmm. He said, that's not me. I've never, and it's not. I mean, somebody tell me the last time you saw Edron James doing some kind of a stand up somewhere. Stumping for right. it, something. It doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's like Marvin Harrison, not quite that much. But they, he, he says, I, you know, I, I remember back when Edron was a rookie or in his second year, people thought, you know, if this guy would get rid of the dreadlocks and the gold teeth, he could market himself. He never once considered doing that because he said, no, I'm, I'm me. I do things my way. So he's really getting frustrated with, with the process. And I, one thing I'd like to tell these guys is that we're in Miami, which is Edgerton's stomping grounds. Mm-hmm. Went to college there, and uh, he, I think Immokalee's an hour and a half away or whatever it is. If you can only imagine the South Beach party, if Edgerton, and then if Edgerton and Reggie both get in, it, uh, would, it would be epic. My goodness. I, my, one of my favorite uh, Edger and James stories that you have told is uh, his, uh, his Hall of Fame-worthy quote that uh, 
uh, about voluntary off-season workouts. Man, I, I may not have graduated from Miami, but I know what voluntary means. So he 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 was, and so many of them. The close when they went to uh, preseason in Tokyo, he said the closest I'm getting to Tokyo is Benny Hannes. <laughs> so, but it was it was that was him. He he remains my all time favorite Colt. Reggie's a very close second. Because what you saw was what you got. He, he he didn't. There were so many times after bad games, where those of us in the print media were talking to him, and you got all the TVs and radio guys were there, and Edron drops f bombs and obscenities, and that's fine with us. We can just you know, right? And you guys are thinking, that beep beep. That, that makes things difficult. But that's shit. That's who he was, and he was. He he fights the perception that well, of course he got these yards. He played with Peyton and Reggie and Marvin yeah. and. Well, and, and again, that, that does him a disservice. It, no one held it against Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith, who, yeah, again, he's got he's all time leading rusher, right. but but he played with Troy Aikman and, and Michael Irvin. Yeah, and Thurman Thomas played with Jim Kelly and Andre Reid. Right. So you know, it it, it Marshall Falk had you know these two receivers and, and Kurt, Kurt Warner. So it's it's disingenuous to hold that against Edger and James. And again, I just I just I, I will be. He he will be very PO'd if he doesn't make it. Mm-hmm. I will be frustrated because I don't know what else. He he's not going to rush for another thousand yards. I mean, his right. resume is what it is. I'm just hoping that finally there's enough sentiment. The fact that he made the final ten last year for the first time was an indication that he's that he is moving up the ladder. And I'm just hoping this is the year. People are warming, at least, to the idea from one year to the other. And, he, I think, and he, he's he's the only running back in, in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. That is big, I and think. And we're not going to have another running back be worthy, I think, until at least five years. And it's going to be Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson. And we can have the old, when the time comes, heaven forbid, Edron's still waiting. But if, if you know, the, the Edron James versus Frank Gore mm. discussion – which one? Well, Frank Gore wore your ass down with a thousand yards. You know, all these years, Edron James was the best running back in the league at least four years. So it'll be very interesting. I think that it, we would be doing a disservice to to you, the listener, if I didn't at least propose another side of the argument. And Mike is. Uh, the best at proposing uh, Edger James' uh, best parts, his best qualities. I think the argument against him, out of all 15 of these guys, Edger and James has the fewest number of Pro Bowls. He's only been selected to four Pro Bowls. That is it. Tied with Leroy Butler and Isaac Bruce there among these 15. So when you look at his greatness around the league, like you said, a couple years, four years maybe, he was the best running back in the game. Other than that, he was not a pro bowler, according to the votes from then. And we can argue the merits of pro bowls or not. Yes, exactly. And that's something that I, I know you guys do. And you talk about... I, I would take all-pro, which he was two-time all-pro. Two-time first-team all-pro, two-time second-team all-pro. And, and so that's four of his 11 years. He was first or second all-pro. Yes. And the, the, the all-decade teams, again, that's... With the way that the pro bowl is now, it's... I'm not going to try. People can it. have tremendous right. years. What like we we saw Priest Holmes have tremendous Darius years. Darius Leonard in the did not make did not make Pro Bowl exactly. as a rookie. So, so but but not you 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 raise a point and 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 that may be held against him, I guess. But when you're the all decade first team and you've got the the All Pros and the league rushing tie, it's, it's but you make that point. Mm-hmm. I I just wanted to propose it. You know, I like I said, I don't want it to be. All, all sunshine and rainbows, and have people not another, understand. Another good why. stat, yeah, is Edgen for his career. I believe he averaged eighty-two point one yards a, a game. I think it was eighty-two point seven. Maybe Joe can look it up real quick. And that's better. That that would be eighth most among running backs in the Hall of Fame, and that's more than eight or nine guys, including Emmett Smith. Wow. So, and again, it's sometimes it's hard to compare the hard numbers because some guys played, you know, Jim Brown. Some guys played 14 games and some guys played 16. Syracuse. Yeah, buddy, there we go. I I watched The Express the other day. You walked right. Oh, it's a great movie. Three or four times. What a great movie. Tremendous movie. But so sometimes it's hard to compare hard numbers on on guys who played 16 games and 14 games Mm -hmm. and 
we can argue that a hundred yard or a thousand yard season has been it's, it's sixty two yards a game. Yeah, so, it's like eh. What, what, Joe's the average eighty two point seven a game. There you go. And 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 Emma Smith is like eighty two one or eighty one something. So it's, but but it, it's it's. I look at the body of work and I keep thinking, what what did he need to do? But uh, but we'll see. I, I, again, I think for all the arguments against, in in my mind, one of the biggest biggest arguments for him is that he's on his way to. I think it was. His first two years was 1,500 yards and then 1,700 yards, I think it was. He was on pace for more in year three. Mm-hmm. He was on pace to win a third-league rushing title when he blows out his knee. And he was able to sort of reinvent himself and still rush for 8,300 yards after the injury. He had two 1,500-yard seasons after he tore his ACL. Which is remarkable and to me. And when you have four and you have two pre- and two post-ACLs, uh, Again, I, I keep coming back to hopefully the resistance has has waned and he gets in this time and uh, maybe it's a good transition to Wayne to to Reggie. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So Reggie Wayne, the Colts 30th overall pick back in the 2001 draft, played 14 seasons for the shoe, 1,070 receptions, 14,000 plus yards, 82 touchdowns. Uh, he was a six-time Pro Bowler, so did make two more Pro Bowls than, uh, than Edge in his time. Uh, once a first-team All-Pro and of course, won the Super Bowl. He was uh, like a three Colts or four well. times second team All Pro. Um, let's see, I have it written down here. Twice it says a second team All Pro. So yeah, one first team, two times second team. And like I said, he finished his career top ten in both receptions and receiving yards in NFL. He history. pointed out to me that when he left, as you mentioned earlier, that when he left, he was seven and eight. Yep. And then he's he's been passed right since then. So uh, it, as the game continually becomes more of a passing league, he's Red, been Reggie knows then. his stats. <laughs> I'm sure he does. Well, he, he's uh, on the NFL Network. He's an analyst. He's got to know his stats now. He's, it's funny. We were talking, and he sent me a uh, list, and it was all these numbers and most of this, most of that. And I said, where did you get – I said, I never knew you were such a research guy. He said, it helps to work in NFL Network. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, it helps to have people who – who can help you with what you need to have done. One thing that, that I've said in the past on this podcast and that we've both made the point is uh, one, one of Reggie Wayne's most significant, I think, stats in his favor is what he did in the postseason. And uh, he, he retired as the uh, second most postseason receptions all time behind only the incomparable and never-to-be-reached Jerry Rice, I don't think, regardless of uh, how many, uh, what's it called, how... how the league skews toward passing Correct. in the future. It's just his his numbers are stupid, ridiculous. So Reggie Wayne was second only to Jerry Rice when he retired in postseason receptions. Um, he was up there in yards as well. Did did so much damage when things matter the most. Um, so when you Mike sit down again, like Edge, when you sit down in front of the selection committee and you start talking about Reggie Wayne, uh, what is it that you want to bring up with them? Again, it, it's how you compare to the league, to the best in the league. And there's a couple that just – and again, when I did my – when I came up with my presentation, I, I just kind of mentioned that when you're when we were watching Reggie Wayne, he kind of came out at a time when we expected this because we had seen Marvin Harrison do this and Peyton Manning. And Peyton was one – he throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns, and he says, is that all you got? Uh, so, so you sort of get numb to these guys – and then the more I sort of dove into Reggie's career, some things just jump out at you that people probably don't realize. A couple of players who rank top 10 in receptions and yards in both regular season and postseason. Yards and receptions. Jerry Rice and Reggie Wayne. That's it. Players who rank in top seven in receptions and yards when you combine the regular season and the postseason. Jerry Rice... Larry Fitzgerald, and Reggie Wayne. That's a, that's a good group to be in. Uh, let me look here. Uh, oh, also, most consecutive games with, with at least three receptions. Reggie Wayne, 82. Antonio Brown, 76, and probably done. Likely. And Michael Thomas, 63. Well, he's working his way up there. Yeah, Michael Thomas will break Reggie's record in week four of 2021. Hmm. So, I mean, uh, most 1,200-yard seasons. Reggie Wayne is one of one, two, three, four, five, six players with six. 
Only two players have more, Jerry Rice and Randy Moss, both first ballot Hall of Famers. Consecutive 1,000-yard seasons, Jerry Rice, 11, Hall of Famer, Tim Brown, Hall of Famer, Marvin Harrison with eight, Hall of Fame, Chris Carter, Hall of Fame with eight, Torrey Holt, who's on the list this year, and Reggie Wayne with seven. And it still burns Reggie that his streak of seven ended in 2011 when Peyton was out with his neck injuries and the three quarterbacks were three that we will never, ever discuss in the Hall of Fame room. <laughs> Kerry Collins, Curtis Painter, and Dan Orlovsky. And with that group, he had 960 yards. And oh, I, that's man. one of those with, with today's analytic adjustments and all that, that's about 1,400 yards. Seriously. Because then he comes back the next year and, and goes for 1,300 yards with Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. So it's, again, I, I think people tend to, and I did a story that we posted today with Reggie, and what was most important to him through his career is he came here in 01 as a first-round draft pick, and Marvin was here. So he, he was his sidekick. He was the guy that was along the, the, the 1B to Red to Marvin's 1A. He wanted to be his own man. He wanted to be the guy. And he realized that he had to wait his turn, but, but he worked at it. And I think it was in 2007 is when Reggie ascended n- number one. It, injuries started to perk up and, and hurt Marvin in seven and eight, and Reggie was the guy. He had his best, his really his best seasons once he was the number one guy. And it's Marvin Harrison, Syracuse. You didn't jump in on that. I was waiting. I know. Don't worry. So, so it was really important to him to, to be the guy when he was the guy. So many, how many times have we seen teams bring in a guy to replace that guy, and it's not worked out? Now we we could argue with with Tory Holton and Isaac Bruce. It was similar, and they had similar careers, but. Until he had the ACL in 13 and the torn triceps in 14, Reggie Wayne was as good as it got. I think that uh, Tony Dungy had a nice quote here. Was this you that provided this, or was this Joe yes. that provided well, okay, I, So I, you did um, about, about Reggie Wayne and how his best seasons came after he right. became the number one guy. It was Tony said about Reggie... Uh, didn't believe he was initially a Hall of Fame right. receiver. He said the first five years, probably not. Even in 2004, 05, he's starting to put up big numbers. I was thinking, hey, very good. Uh, our Super Bowl year, he was dynamite. After I left, Dungy says, 09 and 2010 seasons, you just say, oh, wow. Some of those catches in traffic, uh, the consistency of doing it year in and year out was impressive. You start to think, yeah, this is what Hall of Famers do. And like you said, to have... So many 1,200-yard seasons. I think it was six 1,200-yard seasons. To have that many consecutive 1,000-yard seasons, that was a triumvirate of quarterbacking, uh, what's the proper word, uh, hot garbage away from <laughs> continuing. Nice it. Yes. It, and he still about got there. It, he, yeah. So there, there's, a, there's a lot that, uh, that will be on Reggie Wayne's side. I think that... There's, there will be things, of course, that, that detract from Reggie Wayne, as there are from everyone in this uh, discussion as well. Um, if he's a first ballot guy, fantastic. I think that there are guys that have been waiting their turn right now, and that's something that goes into it too, Mike, right? That, that if there are guys that are in the room that have been close in the past who have been, quote, waiting their turn, the Hall of Fame selection committee has to have that on their mind when they are voting for the cut down to 10, the cut down to 5, right? I've never agreed with that, but th- no, th- without question. And in Exhibit A is Marvin Harrison. Yeah, Marvin Harrison wasn't a first. Where was it? Where is what school again? Syracuse, Syracuse University. That Marvin Harrison wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer in my mind. It was bog- it was mind boggling. Uh, th- there are a handful of guys that when you make your presentation, you stand up and say, Brett Favre, Jerry Rice, and Peyton Manning next year. Marvin was. Mar- <laughs> yeah, what do you do with Peyton Manning next year? Just stand up and say. Peyton Manning, I right. present to you right. for the Hall of Fame and sit back I, I, down. I want to have a big, thick book of, of information and make them think I'm going to do it. But, but the, you know, Marvin was close to that. Marvin, his career was close to that. But he had to wait three years because Andre Reid had been waiting uh, seven or eight years. And then when they get Andre Reid in, then he had to wait for Tim Brown. And then he, got, he gets in. Terrell Owens had to wait three years for different reasons because he was a knucklehead. Mm-hmm. So uh, the issue with, with, with Reggie is that 
Isaac Bruce has been in the room before. This might be Tory Holt's first year as a finalist, I think. Uh, now, I'm telling you, I would not want to be the guy presenting both Isaac Bruce and Tory Holt. I mean, your question is, you pick. Yeah. You, you tell me which one you, you prefer. Right. We're not putting two Rams receivers in the right. Pro Football Hall of Fame right. in the same year. Yeah, now, so, whether, so now pick, whether, give us one. Now, whether that would help Reggie to where these two guys cannibalize each other, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But knowing the way the room works, there is this sentiment, and I understand it. I just don't agree with it. I always take the approach that it should be the five best players, regardless of position. Uh, but when you when you do it that way, then then you end up with this year three offensive linemen. Was there three safeties? Three safeties, I think. There are good safeties. Too. There are. So they are all three of them are in, really good. In, in in three receivers. I was talking to Bill Pullian yesterday, and God, I wish I could print some of what he said. Most, <laughs> most of it was some of it was just obscene because he's so fired up about four safeties. Excuse me, because I okay. forgot about Polamalu. There's Polamalu, right. Leroy Butler, Steve Atwater, and Lynch, and, and uh, John Lynch. And yeah. Lynch, this is his seventh year. Yeah. So you talk about wait your turn, son. But you know, Pullian is is I hate to say he and I agree because there's so much we we didn't agree on when he was here. <laughs> but you take the best players. And the rest is, is external, and you've got an agenda. And I said, Bill, as, as much as we're sitting here today, I'm telling you, there's going to be an offensive lineman, mm-hmm. there's going to be a receiver, and there's going to be a safety, mm-hmm. maybe two safeties. Uh, and he just he just goes ballistic. And, <laughs> and I understand what he's saying, but w- when it's when you when you go that way, when when you don't go that way, this is what you end up with. You end up with, well, next year it's going to be Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson and. Calvin Johnson, and then the guys who don't make it this year. If if there's three offensive linemen, for example, then they'll all be pushed again this next year. Mm-hmm. I just don't agree with we've got it. We've got to make this guy wait because we need to get this guy in. If I'm while I understand the mentality, you go you go tell John Lynch to wait another year. You right. go tell Edron James, hey, we 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 believe you belong, but we're going to get this guy in because he's an offensive lineman and we don't want to have more offensive linemen in, in, in the pipeline. But that's, that's simply the way this process has worked. And I, you can agree with it or not. And I don't. But speaking to that mentality, maybe this is just in my mind, but do either of you kind of have the feeling that Edron James has got to go before Reggie Wayne? It kind of feels like at least in my mind that James's turn comes first and then Reggie comes next. If they don't, both make it this year. And that's, I think, what the the exact idea that Mike is just speaking to. The guys that, like, hey, maybe him first and then the next guy. So if somebody comes to you and says, like they did, like you were saying with Bruce and Holt, like, well, well, Reggie or Edge, you pick one. I, oh, I think no, you, you wouldn't, you that, wouldn't that, hesitate. That would be an awful situation to be in personally. Yeah. But you, you, your gut says, well, it's got to be Edgerin. Right. And, and, you know, in, in my mind, what, what makes the most sense, and I don't, I'm not telling – Reggie to wait, but it's Edger this year, it's Peyton next year, and then it's Reggie the next year. Uh, and I think this just show this would show you when when Reggie gets in, it's just going to exemplify even more the the strength of the Colts in the two thousands. How remember was it ten straight seasons of at least ten wins and nine or twelve wins of, of ten wins. And nine straight seasons of twelve wins—that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it took everybody to do it, including Edron James and Reggie Wayne. Deion Sanders uh, has an interesting quote going around saying he thinks too many people make the Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm gonna—I'm gonna read it, and, and I, I say this because, well, it's on the paper, so that's why I'm saying <laughs> it. But good job, Joe or Mike, whoever threw this One in there. That's—that's that's, that's Big Joe all the way. Um, what is a Hall of Famer now? Is it a guy who played a long time? It's so skewed now. Once upon a time, a Hall of Famer was a player who changed the darn game, who made you want to reach for your pocket and pay your admission and see that guy play. That's not a Hall of Famer anymore. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry, you're a Hall of Famer. You're a Hall of Famer. You're a Hall of Famer. They let everybody in this thing. It's not exclusive anymore, and I don't like it. Mike, you're, you're the one who votes for this thing, so your first reaction to that quote. That's ridiculous. I mean, and it's spoken from someone who's already in, and I, I understand the argument that if you if you change the game and you were the transcendent player, you're in the, the Peyton Mannings and Tom Brady's and Jerry Rice, but you're only going to have in that 
one half of one percent. No, you, it, it's there are more deserving players. Now th- we've had guys go in. I've not agreed with. I just I just thought no. I just you know not 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 for me. But to take the approach that there's too many guys. Now you can argue that one thing they tried to do this year with the with the Centennial team is to fix mistakes and they expanded the the senior group to right. 10 I think it was 10 mm-hmm. and contributors and coaches and then again it didn't change the modern day 15 Still just candidate. five of those and yes. that's what will be going forward so no I don't agree with that I think and again I think whatever five go in Saturday will be deserving they they just are and to think that unless you're Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or Jerry Rice, you don't belong, or, or Deion Sanders. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just wrong. Yeah, I'll say, first of all, Deion Sanders, one of the best cornerbacks to ever play the game. He would be in by anybody's metrics. So he, he's uh, on on the peak of the mountain yelling at everybody right. who's like yeah, right like there get near off the top. My lawn. Exactly. It's <laughs> very much get off my lawn. But it, it's, it's, it seems to me like he's calling for more of a process that maybe the Major League Baseball does with the Baseball Hall of Fame, that like maybe two guys get in every year you know it's At much different it's not as bad as basketball everyone gets in the nba yeah it's, the, it's really watered down in that area mm-hmm. so but, it, we, but we've had it where people want more people in because mm-hmm. again you'll we'll, we'll come up with five on saturday and say well how did you not put in player b yep like like i said i think i thought alan fanica has deserved it for a couple of years now i think and this I've heard is people say what's he doing on the list it, yeah so, yep. so so you have that too so but uh, but if you ask yeah. somebody they says well how, okay how come alan fanica doesn't get in well, who do you want to leave out? Well, I don't want to leave anybody out. Yeah. No, no, no. You get five. Yep. You get five. So th- that's the hard part. And again, it's, we're not throwing darts, you know, against the wall. In, in with five players, there's a lot of discussion. Unfortunately, guys do have agendas. They mm-hmm. they do. I didn't agree with the the Centennial Blue Ribbon Committee with Jimmy Johnson and and Bill Cower. I, I didn't. Jimmy Johnson had three great. He, he was Terrell Davis. Had three mm-hmm. great years. The rest of his career, he had, a, he had a losing record. You know, why not Don Coriel or Tom Flores? But th- but that's the discussion in the room, and that's why it's it's it, it's a very interesting process. And again, it's behind closed doors, but uh, it, it's it's never done haphazardly or just off the cuff. It, there's a lot that goes into it. If you guys had to pick your five, who would they be out of this group of fifteen? It's a, I, I knew you would you were going to do this, Joe. So. <laughs> My gosh, I, I hate you so much. No, I, I think I, I've said Alan Fanica like 10 times during this show. So, so you're I, stuck with him. Yeah, exactly. I kind of have to put him in there. He, he has the most Pro Bowls of this group. He has the most first-team All-Pros. It, it would be, I think, ludicrous to keep him out again. That, that, that's my opinion. So there, there's Alan Fanica. Um, there are four safeties. I mean, Polamalu, like we said, Leroy Butler... Steve Atwater, and who's the fourth thing? And I missed John, John Lynch, Lynch. Who may get a Super Bowl ring as a GM this, that That's same right. weekend. Yep. That would be a heck, of a heck of a weekend. But out of those, um, the 1990s all-decade team, the only two first-teamers who are not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame are Steve Atwater and Leroy Butler, and they're both on this list. The 2000s all-decade team... Um, yeah, Troy Polamalu is uh, is on this list, and and not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, uh, gosh, I I think at least at least one of these four safeties, and maybe two of these four safeties, have to get in. Whether it's Atwater or Polamalu, I think I think it comes down to those two, um, and and I'm gonna. Go with Polamalu, because they already have Fanica in there for the Steelers. I don't know if they're going to be able to get both of them. Um, you know, you know, I, I, I will go with Polamalu. I'll say Fanica and Polamalu uh, for two of them. Um, golly. This is, I'll, I'll put Edge in there. I think that Mike has made a great case for him and have somebody... Uh, a playmaker on the offensive side because I, I don't I don't know about these receivers this year I I don't think that Isaac Bruce ever gets into the Hall of Fame he wasn't he was never a first team All Pro he was never voted as the best at his position in the NFL zero years he made the Pro Bowl that's great but is never voted first team so I, I think that that's a pockmark against him 
uh, in, in the Hall of Fame voting. So there's three. I've got Fanica, Polamalu, I've got James. <sighs> Boy. Um, golly sakes alive. Um, you want my dart to throw against the wall? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll take I'll take I'll take Richard Seymour and Zach Thomas I think and I know Mike says that uh, there has to be a wide receiver elected in this group and and I, I I don't necessarily disagree with that but but if I have to go five Fanica Polamalu Edge uh, Seymour and Zach Thomas and therefore if there's one I'm not quite as positive about there it's Richard Seymour. Another safety could sneak in there because I really do think this is a tremendous, tremendous group of safeties. But as, in terms of guys that I would be surprised if they make it, Bryant Young, I would be surprised. Um, I think I would be surprised if uh, Isaac Bruce or Tony Baselli made it. But other than that, there would be no one that I would be surprised about. Oh my goodness, this guy made made the final five. So that that's twelve guys that I would be. I would okay. That right. I can see that totally. And, happening. and that's not normally is with yeah. with fifteen. They're on there for a reason. Yeah. I w- and again, I, I've got the benefit of knowing how the room operates, and in much the, more so than me. I'm going edge because I'm afraid he's going to disown me if I can't get him in this year. I think Isaac Bruce gets in. I think again, I told you, I, I'm we because you can, know how it operates. We, we can talk next week. I'm I'm convinced a receiver, a lineman, and a safety get in. So I'm going Bruce because he's been there a few times longer. But I agree. If I had to rank him, he's my third receiver. Of this group, mm-hmm. but that didn't keep Andre Reed getting in before Marvin Harrison. And you tell me you've got Marvin Harrison in one hand and Andre Reed in the other. You're taking Andre Reed. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so Edgerin, Isaac Bruce. I'm going Steve Hutchinson. I talked to Howard Mudd, and he said Hutchinson was a. He used a word that I can't repeat. <laughs> That's wise. And it was positive. <laughs> uh, Palomalo. I think he's the closest we have this year to a first ballot. The perception is he's a first ballot, no doubter. I, I, I'm not there, but I think he's close. And my fifth is probably going to be, I'm like with you, Richard Seymour. I don't, I don't like the other guy. I don't like my fifth guy. Mm-hmm. I would take Reggie over Richard Seymour, but there's there not go. a chance in. And you know what? In, in the U, they're going to put two receivers. <laughs> the in, they're just not. So I'm going to say Edron, Bruce, Hutchinson, Palomalo, and then either Seymour or Reggie Wayne. And Reggie's more of a choice from the heart than it is from the head. It's no Fanica because there's already been the one offensive lineman. Yeah, I had somebody tell me they thought Fanica was just a really good player. Hmm. Uh, so, and again, that's it's when you get to the lineman, it's so easy to compare receivers and running backs. And yeah. how do you compare a guard other than other than the Pro Bowls in the first the first team. I you mean, have to talk to more coaches and guys that they've played against, and you've done a lot more of that than I have, honestly, in your the, career against my career. And that's not a shot at uh, Mike Chappell's age over here. That is that is a shot at his uh, vast experience and his know how and how he knows about what goes on in these discussions. The, the biggest discussion I predict that we have will be Tony Baselli. He played six years, and he might have been three time first team All Pro. I understand in those he, six years. He yep. might have been the best tackle. In, in those six league, years, in those six years, but he played six years. Did they they make the playoffs maybe once? I don't know. I mean, we're talking Jacksonville, so not very often. He, he's 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 an offensive lineman's Terrell Davis, but Davis was the main reason that Denver won two Super Bowls. So that'll be when you talk about players. We're going to have that with Calvin Johnson. He played eight years. I mean, how, how much is, is there a cutoff? On what you need, in my mind, Baselli didn't play long enough. He just didn't. I don't care that he was the greatest tackle in the game at the time. Six years, in my mind, is not enough unless you do something over the top to compensate for the for the shortness of your career. Those will be interesting discussions had on Saturday in Miami, for sure, as the 2020 Pro Football Hall of Fame class will be decided. Two Colts possible out of the 15 Modern Era finalists. Edger and James, Reggie Wayne, our Mike Chapel will be there in Miami on Saturday to break it all down for the Hall of Fame voters. And then on Saturday on the NFL Honor Show broadcast in central Indiana on Fox 59, we will find out which players do make that cut and are enshrined 
in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That is the Colts Blue Zone podcast for this week. We do thank you for listening. We hope you download and subscribe, get delivered. We're living to the finish here, at least I am, to your podcast (laughs) listening device week after week. You can also follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. You can follow me at Dave G underscore sports. Mike Chappell is at mchapel 51 Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street. Joe, we are going to close this Colts Blue Zone podcast with a quick interview. Our Chris Hagan was able to wrangle up with potential Hall of Famer Colts great wide receiver Reggie Wayne down in Miami during his time covering the Super Bowl there. So thank you for listening again. Here is our Chris Hagan with Reggie Wayne. Look at this, Radio Row, Reggie Wayne. Man, everybody wants to talk to you. A huge week for you. You know Indy's pulling for you. Yeah. What are your emotions leading into this week? Well, right now, I'm, I'm even killed. I'm, you know, I, I think the more and more we get to the day, I think I'll start to get those butterflies a little bit. But right now, man, I'm just enjoying the wave and enjoying being paraded around and have guys waving and, and, and uh, just enjoying the moment. That's really it. What about the fact that it's down here in Miami as well, even extra special? Man, you know what? I went to school in Miami. I live in Miami. The last two Super Bowls here in Miami I was part of, and now I'm part of the Hall of Fame. I like, you couldn't ask for a better thing than this. And then a good buddy of mine, as you know, Edron James, he's also you know up for it. So, man, it's, it's special. It really is. Great weather, palm trees. I mean, what else can you ask for, Chris? I mean, it is It's a fun moment for me. Uh, a great opportunity for me and my family, no matter what happens. I'm just going to enjoy it. We know you're busy. Thanks for the time. And folks, Andy, you know they're pulling for you. I appreciate y'all. It's Reggie.